0: Welcome to the Think Yourself Healthy Podcast, where we challenge you to think differently about your approach to health and wellness. My name is Heather Duranja, and I'm excited to be here with you to take you on the journey from surviving to thriving. Hello, everybody. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, I have a very, very special guest, someone who is... Extremely near and dear to my heart. I have my very own baby brother, Cole Freeman. He is an American daredevil. He goes by evil col, col- Nevil. How do you say it?
1: Just high flying Cole Freeman. Hi, but no, Cole- people call me evil Cole because they think I'm the next evil Knievel, but I'm just Cole Freeman.
0: Well, I am so excited to have you here today and have a conversation. We're going to be talking about your journey with mental health and the role that like lifestyle has played. Um, so I'm really excited for you to take time to share with the audience. Uh, you know what you've been through. You've you've been through a lot. So I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been a journey. That's for sure. Speed bumps, potholes. You know, yeah. a little bit of off road.
0: <laughs> so Cole, um, for those that are listening, you know. You have really had quite a transformation over over the last few months, and not only an incredible physical transformation, which for the listeners, if you're interested, I'll share pictures on social media, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you can look at the cover photo to um, see the transformation that we're referring to, but your physical transformation was also part of a mental emotional transformation right
1: percent like it was really a mental transformation and the cherry on top was just getting in shape alongside of it really
0: right so so like what I'm hearing what I'm hearing you say is that putting in the work into the emotional stuff supported the mental that led to the physical
1: a hundred percent like it was um I mean, for instance, like February 11th, I mean, I could go back to my whole story. I don't know how you want me to do it, but like, I'll just start from the beginning. So pre-K got held back, did pre-K again. That's when they put me on Ritalin, um, which is now Adderall, same thing. And up until I was 18 years old, I was on Adderall, which it ended up going from Ritalin to Adderall. And... When I say I was 80 pounds all the way through high school, I'm not joking. I was 80 pounds, like literally to wrestle 103 varsity my freshman year and sophomore year, I had to put eight pounds of shit on my body, which was Subway sandwiches, uh, extra pairs of headgear, extra pairs of pants, double singlets. Like I had to weigh on the scale 88 pounds, but I was only 80 pounds um, to legally wrestle. And I just thought I was small, which really that wasn't the case because after 18 years old. I stopped taking the Adderall. I stopped taking the Ritalin or whatever you want to call it. And um, I went from being like five foot four to ten, five foot ten and 80 pounds to 175 pounds and then up to 200 pounds. And like I, my, I didn't grow until I was 24 years old. I wasn't done growing. So it stunted my growth for my whole life. And not only that, but I wouldn't eat on it. I wouldn't conversate. I was just literally like zoned in and it's legal meth. Like it should not be allowed. They should not be putting kids on it. Like just goes to show that our pharmaceuticals are more worried about making money than they are actually helping people. And it's not just what it does to you mentally, but physically no growing, no eating, like and it makes you feel different than everyone else per se, because why am I being put on these? Well, yeah, I can't focus in class because I didn't give a shit about it. Like when I became a medic or when I was going through medic school, I actually cared about it and I actually did it. Like, there's the difference. Like, give me something I'm interested in. Right. Obviously my soul knew that the shit they're teaching me in school. didn't mean shit. And it was probably all a lie, especially in history class. Like it's just their story that they want to write. And so like, You know, fast forward, I became a firefighter, um, ended up getting injured in Sturgis, tore my ACL, MCL, LCL meniscus, had to have surgery and the surgery, my body rejected the ACL ligament and the fire department fired me on Christmas morning. Um, let me go. So I was, um, I lost my job Christmas morning, um, In 2015, 2016, I was like thinking my life was over playing the victim card, this, that and the other. Um, And at this time, I was only doing stunt shows to make money. And I went to Florida, came back, did a show at Doc's Harley Davidson's. And the next day I ended up in jail for a month. Um, The cop, the arresting officer had been beaten up by my older brother back in high school and gave me a bunch bunch of trumped up charges um so I was facing 26 years to life and with that being said then I really thought my life was over um finally made bail or bonded out whatever you're gonna call it um like a month later and went to court for three or so months and finally because they were just pushing it through trying to indict me and just put me away and the judge pulled it out a grand jury Saw that the police report had been modified twice, saw that there was no evidence still, and ended up dismissing the charges right before I left for Sturgis. So, huge weight off my shoulders. I was like, I went to Sturgis, did my shows out in Sturgis, came home, and I had literally immediately drove to Kansas and picked up these ramps and called my dad on the way home and told him that, hey, I know you said you were going to disown me if I did this, but I'm on my way to go buy ramps. I already had them behind my truck. like there was nothing stopping me from chasing this dream at this point because I finally got, I, like, I got my life back. Like I was like, all right, I'm at rock bottom, but the only way you can go is up from here. So, you know, mentally I was in a decent place because, you know, all the stuff was kind of being lifted off of me. And at that point, I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. Like I'm going to rip the speedometer off my motorcycle. I'm going to set these ramps up behind a bar illegally in the middle of the street on a public street. And decided to start jumping Harleys and cops roll in after about my third or Like I did like 30 practice jumps to spread the ramps, spread the ramps, spread the ramps. And then the cops pull up like 15 deep and they're like, you got 15 minutes, get these out of here, got them out of there. And the reason I did that was so I could get footage of the jump and the video and then go promote it across the country to the dealerships. Cause it was about to be winter time and winter time is the hardest time in my life. Every winter, because I've had 19 concussions, I don't get to do my job during the winter. So I get extremely depressed every winter. It's been a battle that I've dealt with my whole life. I feel like, um, and with that being said, I struggled for a while mentally during the winter, went across the country to California to book shows and try to get this new jump program launched. And fast forward to 2020, you know, those four years went by and I really made a pretty big name for myself doing these jumps and
0: I, don't, pushing I, you know, I don't, I want to mention you hold a Guinness book world record.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I jumped a heavy motorcycle ramp to ramp, uh, the world's heaviest motorcycle ramp to ramp, uh, road glide. So that was a pretty cool feat to jump at almost hundred feet, 99 feet, 11 inches. Um, so that was cool. Um, and then covid came around and i lost two record jumps that year which was going to pay me really good money and really i mean that money would have been enough to hold me over for a few years with investing and stuff and doing it using it properly and so being like isolated being out in the middle of nowhere by myself um literally just me and my dog and every once in a while i'd get my kid when you know i mean i still had my son a lot it was just you know with covid and stuff it was kind of hard to right work that out she was getting on a plane so i'd keep them for x amount of days and then i'd get on a plane so she'd keep so it was like kind of hard um but really like being isolated from people and stuff like i finally was just like dude fuck this i'm getting out of the house so i started going to illinois a lot and drinking and partying and not really taking care of myself mentally and i really kind of lost myself like completely like just fell off the deep end was more worried about shotgun and beers and riding four wheelers and motorcycles than I was about progressing my life or doing anything better to fix myself. Ended up getting in a relationship um, that didn't really serve me whatsoever. um, Sadly, but uh, you know, I created this image in my head of this person that I thought I wanted to spend the rest of my life with and really just, trauma bonding by far. It was like, I was addicted to the narcissism, I guess you could say I was addicted. I was addicted to the, to the pain that yeah. it was causing me. I don't know why or how that's even possible to say, because it's like, no, we just want to be happy. Well, I was happy during COVID because I was out partying and doing my own thing. I didn't have a girl and all this. So I was like, mentally, I was okay, but I wasn't taking care of myself physically. Um, and so I get in this relationship, a bunch of shit happens and February comes around and I mentally was at my lowest of all in my entire life. Like literally February 11th, I had a gun in my mouth and if it wasn't for you calling me, I probably wouldn't be here right now and you flew me to California. Literally left my house at 11:30, got to my dad's, dropped my dog off. My dad took me to the airport at four in the morning. I spent like 20 something days out there in California with you did the retrain your brain course, which really opened me up to knowing like, holy shit, this isn't like something that's caused me to be this way just in the last year. It was something that started from childhood, like as a kid, um, and not to point fingers at anybody, but I definitely had some major abandonment issues because, well, I'll just say it, but, um, I don't remember how old I was. I want to say I was between 11 and 14 and my sister, Sean dropped me off at McDonald's for my baseball team uh, ceremony, reunion, whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, they give you your trophy or whatever at the end of the season. That was the last time I saw her until I was 26 years old and no communication, no reason why just never saw her again. She dropped me off in the Dodge Avenger and that was the last time I saw her. And it it fucked me up. Like, and then it wasn't long after you got kicked out of the house and you basically were my mom because mom and dad were working two or three jobs and never home. So you were literally raising me. And then when you got kicked out because you were pregnant, it was like, I don't know, not even two weeks later, Ernie was kicked out. So now it's just me and Zach stuck in the house with mom and dad. Like, I love my mom and dad. Don't get me wrong. And they've been very good to us, but losing the person that really was raising you feeding you and doing all these things for you it was hard and um, so there's more abandonment issues and i was like what the fuck you know like i didn't realize this until i did that course and started writing these things down that had happened in my life that i was just blind to i wasn't even thinking that my inner child would have issues like that but it's dude it's deep and there's a lot more than that too just from being raised in that household, you know, like I communicate by yelling because well, that's, that's how I was raised. <laughs>
0: I, always, I always laugh and joke with people in a sense that, you know, in our home, when you wanted to be seen or heard, whoever hit the loud, you know, hit the hardest, scream the loudest, kick the biggest hole in the wall, that's how you got the attention. And unfortunately, yes. more often than less, you know, it was really chaotic, very traumatic. <laughs> and that's kind of how we thought that's just what we adopted as communication. And yep. I know for myself that when I was married, I was about 25, and my ex husband, I remember him and cool. I having an argument and him looking at me and saying, Heather, don't you know that people can have normal conversations without screaming and yelling at each other? And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, what do you mean? mean? That's not normal. No, that's not normal. No.
1: And I'm still guilty of it. Like, I won't even realize that I'm doing it or even the tone of my voice that I'm delivering something isn't like, it's just how I was raised. I didn't know any better. Like,
0: yeah, environment really plays a huge role. You know, what happens to us from birth to eight years old kind of is the baseline for how we're going to show up and behave as adults. And the, the unfortunate thing is that with that conditioning and programming, most people don't even realize that, that those subconscious habits are so deeply ingrained in you that that's your, that's your survival guide. That's, you know, literally dictating to you how to respond in life in order to protect yourself. And so we definitely had a lot of unhealthy coping skills, right? We developed a lot of unhealthy coping skills. And I know for myself that it wasn't until I really dove into the emotional component and understanding how, all of those traumas played a role in programming my nervous system to expect chaos as a baseline state of survival. So for myself, and I think I can speak for all of us, that we subconsciously or unintentionally sought out circumstances in our life to keep feeding that chaos without our awareness.
1: Yeah, without even knowing that it's happening because- Mm -hmm we're literally, what's the word, but like drawn to having that, uh, I don't want to say chaos, but that um, trauma, just we're addicted to it and we don't even realize it.
0: No, it it literally is an addiction. You know, Um, it's a hormonal and neurotransmitter chemical addiction. And our nervous system is what dictates our survival. And so when you've grown up and experienced a lot of chaos, a lot of trauma in life, you literally do anything you can to get that chemical fix without your awareness in order to stay in that state of fight or flight. And unfortunately, when we're in that state of fight or flight, it has a lot of negative consequences when it comes to our physical health. S- you know, speaking of which you experienced a heart attack at what age? 32. Yeah. At 32, you already had a heart attack.
1: Full sin. <laughs> Literally, I was not taking care of myself and I remember clear as day it was like 5 15 in the morning and I was sending my well my we weren't really together right at that time we were kind of going through a breakup but I was sending her a happy birthday text and the text I got back from her was just heartbreaking like and it like crushed me and it was like five minutes later I was like dude something is wrong so I walked into my mom and dad's and still staying with them at the time and I'm like I'm not feeling good like, I think I need to go to the hospital. So I went back in and tried to go back to sleep. And I was like, fuck, dude, I'm having a heart attack. Like. Well, you, parent, were, you were a
0: trained firefighter and paramedic. So you knew what the symptoms were. You knew what was happening to you.
1: Yeah. And keep in mind, five years prior to this, I just saved, I had saved my dad from a heart attack in the same house five years earlier, literally like to the month. And I was laying in bed and I'm like, fuck, I'm having a fucking heart attack. Like, so I called dad on the phone. And I'm like, dude, I need to go to the hospital. And sure enough, he like realized the second time when I said something about it, I don't, I don't go to the hospital. I've right. had road rash all over my body. I've separated my shoulder torn rotator cuff, 19 concussions. I do not go to the hospital. There's two times I went to the hospital, my heart attack and when I broke my back and neither time did I want to go mm-hmm. like, so I remember being in the truck with my dad and I'm just like this feeling of impending doom. Like I'm dying. And I looked at him and I'm like, dad, this is it. Like, I, I don't know that I'm going to make it to the hospital. Like I'm, I'm about to go. And I was like, I'll never forget it. It was like, I remember it like it was yesterday, like that feeling of impending doom because they used to talk about it in class. And like, I'd have patients that had that feeling. Well, until you have that feeling, mm-hmm. it, you can't really explain it to people. Like, it's hard to explain that. Like they talk about uh, stabbing pain, sharp pain or elephant sitting on your chest. Like that shit's real. Like, and it dude. it until this day. It messes with me just because I know how many calls I've ran like that. And I didn't take for granted what they were saying. Don't get me wrong by any means, but until you have that happen to you, just a night and day difference. Like you don't realize, like I was 32 years old and I wasn't really overweight or anything. It was just like.
0: Well, you know, this is where, this is where conventional medicine kind of fails us because they, they don't take into consideration the emotional aspect of our physical health and how our emotions play a role with chronic disease. And for you, you know, you were the baby. You, you were fighting to get any attention that you could. One of my fondest memories was you as a tiny little infant in your crib and me walking into the bedroom and seeing Zach in the crib with you, with your bottle in his mouth, his leg kicked up on the side of the crib, shaking his foot. And Cole's just Rocking there, <laughs> yep. <laughs> What about, what about me, you know? i my bottle. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, that, that emotional component plays such a huge role with our physical health and what happens to us as 99% of chronic disease is lifestyle related. And I guess I should say environmental it's, you know, it's environment related, which impacts our lifestyle. And, and, um, and so It makes sense to me how at 32 years old, you were able to have a heart attack considering the circumstances, you know, of your life up to that point, but I I'm great.
1: And to go to that point, like being a firefighter, being a daredevil, like I had these really peak highs and lows, like middle of sleeping boom alarm goes off adrenaline dump right run into the fire truck you know like these these adrenaline spikes and dumps adrenaline spike and dump like it's not good for you whatsoever and it messes with your hormones your adrenal glands like all these things play a role in why firefighters and certain people that have high adrenaline jobs but it's like adrenaline gone Adrenaline gone. Like you had these ups and downs, which plays a huge role in my depression. Yeah. plays a huge role in my heart health, plays a huge role in how I've lived my life over the last 15 years of doing, whether it was the stunts and the jumps or being a firefighter. Um, I've always needed that adrenaline.
0: Right. You know, always. When we, when I, I know for myself and I, I don't know how much you share with people, but when I talk about my family and what my family does, like what you do, what Zach does, what Ernie does, the thing that people always say is, wow, you guys are like adrenaline junkies. And I used, you know, that used, I was like, what, what are you talking about? But it's true. You know, our environment really programmed what we were going to chase, the circumstances, the experiences that we were going to create in our life. So for you, you're in a physical profession that's giving you those, the fix of those chemicals. And then when you're not on the job in the personal life, we're seeking chaos subconsciously to try and recreate that chemical response to keep us in that state of fight or flight. And so um, there's a lot of people out there who aren't even aware, you know, I wasn't aware for the first, I don't know, 40 years of my life that this is what was happening. I stayed in victim mode for so long. I was such a victim. I, I was that person who constantly said, you know, when's it going to be me? When, when do I get my break? And about five years ago, I remember taking that mirror and turning it around and saying, Heather, the only common denominator is you. So what responsibility do you have and how your life is playing out? And that was a very scary time. You know, it was a very scary time to turn that mirror around and really have to reflect and recognize that I had responsibility. I wasn't a victim. I had to take action. I had to do the work, and the healing work. That you know, the emotional work, the healing work. Really understanding how my environment played such a role, and to the point of where I was at, and recognizing that that wasn't how I wanted to live my life. That's not how I wanted to feel. And I am so proud of myself for being able to do that. You're-
1: you're a badass. Like I remember it to a T. Like you literally made your mind up. You're like, I'm going to California. And I was like, I think you went out there for a vacation or to visit a friend. And next thing you know, you're calling me like I'm moving. And well, dude, two weeks later, you were on the road with your shit.
0: Right. Well, I was actually seeking, I had for months I had been traveling to different, you know, cities, states that were known for having more of a holistic approach, health and wellness type lifestyle. And I left California last because I was scared. I didn't want to be biased. I had never been to California before. I didn't want to put myself in a situation where I saw the ocean, felt the sun and said, yep, that's it. And so, you know, um, but for me, that was a really hard decision to make because we grew up with this mentality that family, all you have is family. You have to, you know, you got to stay close to family. We all lived within that 10 mile radius of one another and
1: our own little bubble,
0: our own little bubble. And you know, I, I started reflecting on, but says who, (laughs) like, who says that I have to do this? If I'm not happy, if I'm not feeling like this is conducive with the lifestyle that I desire, then I have to let go of those limiting beliefs. I had to to choose to take the risk of believing in myself, you know, and and just going for it. And honestly, it was literally the best thing that ever happened to me, not just for myself, but also the opportunities that it's created for my daughters. And um, I will forever be grateful for listening to that intuitive voice within me that was saying, Heather, just do it. I've got your back.
1: I mean, look at what you've done and what you've built since then. And like the girls, I'm so proud of both of them. It's so amazing seeing them and seeing how happy Alyssa and Hannah are. Like Hannah's been basically my little sister since I was 10 years old. And when I say that, I mean like she is a female version of me.
0: Without a doubt. (laughs)
1: And I'm like, I'm responsible for all her decisions. Like, this is my fault. Cause she always looked up to me, like, yeah, not to hurt Zach's feelings, but I was her favorite uncle by far.
0: Well, we, We, we moved in when we moved after the divorce and we moved back into the house with mom and dad, you know, both you and Zach were there and you guys played a pivotal role in helping to raise the girls while I was going to school and working full-time and trying to make ends meet. For sure.
1: My bag of weed was always lighter when I got home. Like (laughs) who's smoking my weed? Hannah? (laughs) Sorry. It's no, so no, it's all good.
0: no, I'm very yeah. transparent about, you know, um, my coping skills in the past and, and what I've utilized to just make it through the days. And the reality is that at 15 years old, that's when I turned to drugs. You know, I turned yeah. to drugs after I remember, my, you know, being hospitalized. And after that hospital, hospitalization coming out and saying, you know, fuck it. What else? I've got nothing else, and turn to drugs as, as the cure for just wanting to escape and numb out. And unfortunately, and
1: you got to keep in mind that you know when you started doing drugs, I did too, and I was only four.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm calling you out. Oh
0: <laughs> man! So
1: all right, let's
0: talk about shame and guilt, right? Because shame and guilt <laughs> play a huge, huge role. I mean, to be perfectly transparent, yes, um, Cole. Would be in the back seat with my friends, and we'd be driving around smoking joints, not even aware of how the secondhand
1: smoke,
0: <laughs> second smoke was playing a role. But you know what's funny, Cole, is you, you've always been so intuitive. You've always been intuitive because I can remember being in high school my senior year, and me and my brother coming home and we were both tripping acid and i I pulled that that. i pulled the car into the driveway and you were standing out there by the basketball hoop and as soon as we stepped out of that car you looked at us and you knew you (gasps) knew that something was up and you just started messing with us so hard and I'll never forget looking at my brother going, what the fuck? Like, how does he know?
1: I want some too. How <laughs> how does he know? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So what age did you really start actually using drugs?
1: Eight years old. Yeah. I bought my first bag of weed with some money that I had made. I think it was like shoveling driveways or something. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, we went down to the apartments down the snow sledding hill went down there bought a bag of wheat and i usually i literally used a loose leaf piece of paper to roll the joint
0: those, those, I were, remember, those were called the farm <laughs>
1: yeah or yeah you saw a red light yeah <laughs> you saw a red light on a porch she working <laughs> Yeah. um but yeah no like literally eight years old like my son's age which is scary like
0: so to so think to-
1: like how i even knew that like I, it's crazy
0: so, for both of us, drugs, you know, um, I, I don't really feel like alcohol. I know for myself, um, I can't, you know, speak for you, but drugs were definitely um, my coping mechanism. Alcohol, not so much because I really resented alcohol. My biological father was an alcoholic and wasn't a part of my life. And as a result of that, I really resented alcohol. And then, you know, I ended up getting into a marriage with an individual who also had some alcohol dependency and I was in denial.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, his dad like is where that stemmed from. And I remember it clear as day, like, you know, being over at their house and stuff. And like, it, it seemed like I was pretty young when his dad passed. I want to say I was probably, it was like right before Hannah was born almost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is genetic. Like it stems from our,
0: well, it's not, not, I mean, yes, there is a genetic component to it, but it's more of that environmental conditioning, right? That's
1: what I mean. Like what we're around, not necessarily like, Oh, he was an alcoholic. So my genes have it, but like the way we were brought up condition. Yes. And I mean, like I said, like February 11th, I was mentally worse than I have ever been in my life. Like I literally got on that plane, started drinking, um, randomly saw my friend in the airport. I'm sitting at the TGI Fridays getting drunk and he sits down next to me randomly going on the same plane as me. And he's like, Hey man, I got a mushroom bar chocolates, you know? And I'm like, ate the whole thing. Like, Oh, I I was just whatever I could get. And then we get on the plane and this guy in front of me has like Xanax, Vicodin volume. I took it all. And I'm still drinking on the plane. And when Taylor came to pick me up, like, dude, I was not. Okay. Mentally, I was numb. I was just numbing myself because I was in pain. I wanted to stop the pain any way I could. Like I talk about being heartbroken like it. I personally think my heart attack happened because I was heartbroken. Absolutely. Um, and Absolutely. people don't think that's real. Well, it is real. And I was back in that position to where I was that heartbroken again to where I didn't want to repeat the cycle, so I was just taking whatever I could to numb the pain. And I'll never forget getting your house. You literally first thing you did is you put these two crystals in my hand, selenite crystals, and I did this meditation. It was the the saints one. Uh-huh. Um and I had never meditated like that in my life and I was fucked up on some shit like and I remember you grabbing the selenite out of my hands and your face like it was like you saw a ghost yeah because of the heat that transferred from my body to those crystals I mean they were like on fire like
0: the, the emotional and physical healing that was transforming or transpiring for you in that in that at that moment i've never seen anything like it 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 literally was like one of those divine moments where a higher a higher presence came in and really helped facilitate initiate the beginning of your healing experience, sure. you know, For
1: sure.
0: I remember when, when we were on the phone, I immediately formulated a plan for you. I was like, we've got to detox him. We've got to get good food in his body. We've got to get him to do the emotional work, the meditation, the breathing, the retrain your brain. And within a very short time, you know, that retrain your brain was one of the things that I, I made you, you know, every day. I forced you into you're doing this program. I don't care what you say you're going to do. Every day. And with you doing that work, because he really dove into it. And instead of him doing it over an eight week course, you literally devoted twenty four seven for several days putting in this work. And this was the the initiation for your continued healing process because you you were able to acquire the knowledge and the skills that you were going to need to be able to implement making the behavioral change. It all starts with awareness. And without that awareness, we just keep, you know, recycling old experiences over and over and over again.
1: I mean, just the the amount of guilt I had alone for things that really weren't my fault. I mean, I'm not going to say nothing was my fault the amount of guilt I was carrying and shame and these burdens, I was just literally carrying on my own shoulders because of being with someone that's narcissistic and the way they make you feel it's not fun. And then you all of a sudden feel like everything's your fault. Well, if I wasn't the one out doing all these things to create this. I was at my house sober not doing anything wrong. So why am I feeling guilty for something that someone else was doing to me? And then projecting their issues onto me, it was like, it was hard. Like I'm not blaming anybody for the shit oh, that I've done. Right. But that, that trip to California, you know, I, I left, went to Tennessee to do the training, uh, to do, do the 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 R and D on some motorcycle products. And then I went to Arizona to do the Camelback mountain hike. I saw Andy Frisella, South Frisella and re-sparked that relationship because I've known Andy for 17 years. And I went from there to Daytona bike week. And I had been sober since February 11th. I have not had a drink of alcohol since then. And I was 211 pounds when I got to California. I now weigh 168 and I've put on 10 pounds of muscle. Like, so after seeing Andy, I, uh, I got home from Daytona and I had her coming to get her stuff from my house. And we saw each other. Like I was getting ready to walk out the door to leave. And she pulled in to get her stuff. And we talked for a couple hours or whatever, nothing happened. Well, when she left, my dog took off out the door and ended up getting hit by an 18 wheeler and dying. And it literally sent me into this like talk about a relapse times a thousand. Like I literally went back 40 steps from where I was and she ended up coming over that night and we got back together. And it was the biggest mistake I ever made in my life because not only did I let someone back in, that really wasn't changing, said they were, but they weren't like, they were projecting all these lies again, telling me that Her ex is trying to get back with her. What was her trying to get back with her ex this whole entire time? I'm talking up until like a month ago. And she's like, oh, you've lied to me about this, this and this and making me feel like I'm untrustworthy and all this stuff again. And it's like, why did I not see the triggers that she's still narcissistic and projecting all her bullshit onto me again, which I was proud of her because she was doing 75 hard. and, And when my dog died the next morning, I just got up and I took off running. It was raining outside. I took off running and I ran four miles and I don't run because of my knee and I just took off running. I got home. It was like 50 minutes later and I'm like, screw this. I'm just going to start 75 hard and I'm going to do it and I'm not going to stop until I finish it. So I reached out to Andy and I'm like, hey, I would like to know how can I get one of those books, um, the 75 hard books? And he just said, send me your address. So I sent him the address and literally the next day a box shows up And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and it was a book personally signed from Andy. Like, thanks for all the years of friendship fly high and then signed his name. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to get this program going. I'm going to finish this. And that was 117 days ago. If I had my phone, I could tell you exactly, but 117 days ago, I started 75 hard and I went straight into phase one after finishing the 75 days. And I have not stopped phase one since, and I've been done with phase one for 11 days, but I still do my cold showers. I still work out twice a day. I still do the outdoor workout. I'm reading 10 pages a day. I'm eating healthy. I haven't had a cheat meal. I haven't had alcohol. I still do 10 minutes of visualization. Like I still do my critical tasks. I am addicted to this process because what it's done to me here is by far the strongest I've ever been mentally in my life. And when I say that, I mean it. Like I am fucking bulletproof now. Like nothing can stop me. I found all this shit out about my ex. I didn't shed one tear. Not one. I literally laughed about it. And I was like, well, at least I know now. And all this weight was lifted off my shoulders because I talked to her ex on the phone finally. I just called him and I'm like, dude, what the fuck's going on? And I just wanted to know the truth you know and he he showed me proof of everything i needed to know she was cheating on me she was doing all that shit like and here i am thinking i'm the one that's fucking needing to accept all this ownership for all these problems i've caused which no i wasn't the one causing the problems i mean some shit was my fault yeah i'm not going to say that i did i'm perfect cuz i'm not but dude, i learned so much just from a 15 minute phone conversation that really just made me realize like okay she doesn't only call me narcissistic she calls him narcissistic
0: well the thing is cole you know we have codependent tendencies and when we're in that codependent state a narcissist is you know we are the we are the perfect targets right for them to be able to play out and support their own needs and when for anyone who's listening, who, you know, can understand the cycle of codependency and narcissism, um, it's a real thing. It serves a purpose. It works. You have to ask yourself, you know, is this working for me or against me? It's it's a lot of trauma bonding. But when you're in those narcissistic codependent relationships, the codependent literally takes responsibility for everything. And literally, it just breaks you down to where you completely lose yourself. Yeah. And
1: you surrender to whatever it is they say, just feeling that you are responsible because they've told you so. And really, you're not the reason that you got punched or, or verbally assaulted, like whatever it is, like you're not the one that caused that you know, like it's not.
0: So, you know, I think that it's important to express that with you diving into that emotional work and doing the retrain your brain, that really set the foundation for you to be able to have gotten where you're at, to be able to start recognizing the patterns. And when those patterns start presenting, then being able to make a new choice point that's going to serve you in the way that you wanna feel. Now, I'm not saying to the audience that this is easy work because this isn't, It's, it's, it's hard work. But if you choose that you are worthy and deserving of living your best life and can commit to slowly diving in and taking those steps, it is going to be the biggest gift you have ever given yourself Because from there, you have the ability to start co-creating the life of your dreams, what you desire, right?
1: Oh, for sure. Because it doesn't just, I mean, just the retrain your brain alone, just realizing that what my tendencies were, what I was attracting into my life was really because of what started as a kid Mm -hmm. and needing that emotional or the trauma bonding per se. Because we're always seeking that Mm -hmm. adrenaline dump or the chaos, like having that in your life.
0: Yeah. We're we're addicted to that central nervous system response. And it is literally the dictator of how you behave.
1: And something that's really, really helped me a lot that really made me realize how much control I have over my own thoughts and the things that are happening on the outside is this breathing thing called Wim Hof. And I do it while I'm taking a freezing cold shower. And I'm not talking like turn it halfway and slowly turn it down. I fucking crank that thing as cold as it goes and then hit start on the video. And I do it for 11 minutes Mm -hmm. and I'm literally able to leave my body and I'm in a whole nother mental space
0: Yeah, and while
1: doing that. I'm manifesting things into my life that I need. And I want like to be able to say, I I don't care who you are. Like, it's not going to happen overnight. The cold shower is going to suck. It's going to suck the breath out of you. But when you're able to continue this for 30 days, let's say you, you start to really get this momentum of being able to control your thoughts. And not only that, but your blood pressure, your heart. Exactly. the way that the blood flows through your body and the things that are happening inside, you're now able to go here and control that. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And, and this is such a valid pull wow. And I'm glad that you're bringing this up because this is part of the retraining your brain process. We literally have to engage in habits and lifestyle choices that are going to help to support our parasympathetic nervous system. And, you know, our brains have cognitive dissonance. When we start to engage in these uncomfortable behaviors, these unknown behaviors, the brain saying, yo, dude, what are you doing? This isn't the way we act. This isn't how we show up. No, no, no. Let's take it back to our baseline state. And this is Your where you go
1: trying to protect you.
0: Yeah, this, this is where we get stuck in that in those negative you know, uh, feedback loops, where we have self-awareness, but we keep reverting back to the old behaviors, the old skills, the old mechanisms that supported our baseline state, which is being in that state of fight or flight. Wim Hof, for anyone who is not familiar with him or his work, you've got to go to YouTube. you got to check him out because this man is a fucking badass. He's absolutely oh. insane, but insane in all of the best ways. And, you know, I'm really grateful that you're, you're bringing up this cold shower and the breathing because for me – I never realized what a shitty breather I was until 2018. I remember calling up Tay and saying, Hey dude, I'm totally stressed out. I need to relax. Let's go to the beach. Let's chill. And so her, I, her and I end up meeting up at the beach. We're sitting on the beach. We're looking out at the ocean and the sunset and she pops me in my shoulder. And I was like, what the fuck was that for? And she looks at me and she's like, are you going to breathe? She's like, I've been sitting here and you haven't even taken a breath for over 90 seconds. And in that moment, I observed my being and I was like sitting there with my knees crunched into my chest, hunched over my fist clenched and just holding my breath and not even aware that I was doing it. Breath is such breath is literally our most valuable resource. And because we've been conditioned in this society where, you know, it, it can never be enough, we're the victims, we carry all the shame and guilt, we're so disconnected from our breath because we're in that state of fight or flight, the only way to access the par- paras- the I shouldn't say the only, but the, the most vital way to access the parasympathetic nervous system is to start learning into breath, leaning into breath work, and for me, I struggled. I, I recognized, okay, there's really something to breath work. You getting the chills? Yeah. Yeah. This resonating. This is resonating. So you know, um, for me, I, I had that moment of awareness. Holy shit! I don't know how to breathe. This is still stimulating by my fight or flight. I don't know how to breathe. And so I made attempts to do breathing on my own. And it was so uncomfortable that my subconscious brain kept pulling me back to the old places. This is scary. I can't do this. And that's when I had to hire a breathing coach and actually utilize a coach to help teach me how to breathe. Because when I was doing like the YouTube videos, I judged myself. I'd be like, "I I can't do it. Like no way. I knew that I had to break through that resistance and breaking through that resistance was honestly such a gift. It's something that I still have to be consciously aware of. I have to put a lot of effort into breathing. As soon as I recognize that I'm starting to have those, those old thoughts, those limiting beliefs and And my chest starts getting tight and I'm feeling that anxiety. I know immediately, oh, I got to lean in. It's time to breathe. And I focus on the breath. It is so powerful. So powerful.
1: The, what you're referring to is something that Andy calls the bitch voice.
0: Yeah. Yes. And that's
1: where you, like, for instance, during this program, I was like, it was like day 50 something. And I had a long ass day. Um, And I was pulling into my driveway and I'm like, I still got to do my outdoor workout, but I'll just walk to get it over with. I'll just walk. And right when I said that, I'm like, you done fucked up. Cause now you're gonna run the whole time. Cause if I were to tell myself, we're just gonna walk and make this easy and get it over with, I'm fucking cheating myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not hurting anybody else but myself. And I was allowing this person that I was with to make me feel guilty for bettering myself or pushing harder and doing certain things. And, and she'd say certain things to me that weren't supportive. And why didn't I realize that this person really doesn't want me to win at all. And I was so blinded because of the trauma bonding and stuff that I was like, I was blinded and granted. Yeah. I finished the program and did it, but I'm not going back to what I was, I'm so scared to stop doing this program because if I do go back to what I was, I'm scared of the repercussions it's going to have.
0: In all honesty, I don't think you have the ability to completely go back, you know, because you've been on the other side now, you've experienced it. And once you experience that immense awareness, awakening, whatever we want to call it, your soul knows what it is worthy and deserving of. And the moment that you start to self-betray, you, you are aware. And it it really helps to facilitate making different choice points.
1: And I will say this: like just from coming to California, doing the retrain your brain in the eating habits that I developed while being with you. Have literally changed me on an internal level, like with my soul and being able to know intuition. Like, I knew that before and I've always had it, but like the amount that it's spiked and grown from the time that I got to California till now is crazy. Like, I don't have, there's no lag in what my gut tells me to what I know is right. Like, I still have my moments, I still get, in my head. Like, don't get me wrong. We're you know, all,
0: we're, and, you know, I mean, it's just part of the human experience, but the beauty is, is that when those moments start to present, you've got this, you've got the toolbox, you got the toolbox, you have the things that, you know, work for you and you're able to implement them. You know, for the listeners, one of my favorite tips that I like to, to give my clients is Make yourself a, a, uh, take a mason jar and start ripping off little pieces of paper of things that you've written down. When you have a moment of awareness where you recognize that you're feeling and experiencing joy and happiness, what are you doing in that present moment? Write it down, put it in that mason jar, because when we get into those dark places it can be really, really challenging to remember what works for us. And we feel stuck, right? We feel we feel lost, we feel stuck, we start judging ourselves. How did I get back here? I've been doing all of this work, I don't understand. And we wanna embrace that victim mentality and we can't because you know we have we have choices we we are able to co-create exactly how we want to feel and if we are really aware of what those tools are then we can access them we can utilize them and instead of you know a depression episode lasting months to years you can learn how to overcome these things rather quickly once you know once you know what your patterns are and how you respond when you're triggered, that's the goal. That's where you have the real ability to retrain the brain into developing new neural pathways that support how you want to feel. And, and that knowing of I am worthy and deserving of this and no longer allowing the self-betrayal to come in from the ego, it's going it's to challenge you, don't get me wrong.
1: For sure, uh, that bitch voice a gets around
0: a lot. You know, it's a forever journey that we're on here, and it's beautiful. But because we've been conditioned in this society of quick fix, right? Got a quick fix? Let's put a bandaid on it, make it all go away. The the it, it can be a real challenge to us. I will never forget when I in 2018 when I really started diving into the personal healing, the emotional healing, the soul healing. When I really understood the whole component of retrain your brain. And when I formulated that program through what I had gone through and what I did to get to this place, when I had a moment of challenge and I started feeling really low, I got really pissed off. I was like, what the fuck? I've done the work. Like, why am I here? And that was when I really had the awareness, oh, the work never ends.
1: Mm -mm. No, it's a constant thing.
0: But the difference is, is that as you do this work and you build these skills, you have the ability to transform them to a place where you want to be so much quicker. Sometimes when those limiting beliefs pop into my head or those stories pop into my head and I have the ability to be aware, oh, this is a story. This is my subconscious trying to take me back to that old place of, you know, survival. I literally can transform that within a matter of seconds.
1: That's what I was getting at is- you have a- you have a been ability after time. Like, so for instance, like what I've done, this is just like, you know, over the, since February, kind of what I've learned is every time I'm brushing my teeth, I have the same routine. I go into gratitude and I just start thanking God as I'm brushing my teeth for literally everything that has been brought into my life. My son, uh, the motorcycles waking up and having the oxygen in my lungs and being able to live another day. Mm -hmm. Like I start doing these things. And when you do this, it's really fucking hard to be negative when you're thanking God for all these things. And the other thing I would do is this EFT tapping. I would start doing this. Like I would do it after my cold shower, I'd turn the heat back up and now I do EFT tapping for 10 minutes. And it's crazy because that really changes your subconscious to understand that. Okay. I am worthy of love. I am worthy of being honored and, I am worthy of respect and like these things that you continue to do on a daily habit, mm-hmm. start to build and they get gain, gain traction. And like Heather was saying, like, like I call it the bitch voice. Like instead of it taking several months to get over, you're talking seconds, <laughs> snap back into gratitude, start thanking God yeah. about things that are in your life. And guess what? It's really hard To to be negative when you're saying thank you, and another thing is like smiling. Just fucking force yourself to smile.
0: Yeah, you know it takes less muscles to smile than it does frown.
1: Yeah, (laughs) isn't
0: that crazy? It takes less muscles to smile than it does frown. But there's but it's
1: sad because there's so many people frowning all day long
0: and And not aware. And, And honestly, just have no awareness of it. But there's a couple things I want to touch on that you just mentioned. Number one, the gratitude piece. And I know that this is where a lot of people struggle, but if we can start to recognize that all of the hardships, all of the trauma, all of the chaos that we've experienced in our life, these can actually be turned into blessings. These are lessons that we came here to experience. And when we choose to start being aware of the patterns and how we're responding to the patterns, that's where we have the real power to co-create something different. But-
1: You gotta when, stop playing the victim card first. Yeah,
0: and, and in order to stop playing the victim card, we have to start being grateful for all of those you know, unfortunate events. I know for myself, I am so grateful for everything that I've been through, because without these experiences, I wouldn't be able to connect and to be able to understand other people's struggle. I would not be the facilitator that I am, especially in the substance abuse and mental health, you know, field, because you don't know what you don't know, right? But when you've been there and you've experienced it, you can take that emotion and you can help apply it to understanding how other people are showing up. And this really is key in letting go of taking things personally and judgment, right? And and staying stuck in those shame and guilt stories. So it's important to actually start thanking God for all of the hardships, because these are lessons that can be turned into blessings. And for me, I am living my best life. I feel so fortunate to be able to have this podcast, to be able to share stories like yours with others, to give hope and inspiration to the world that we can heal. We can elevate. We can all ascend together into the consciousness, which we're meant to be what people Well, we're,
1: we're programmed to not be able to move forward. We're programmed to stay as sheep and to stay under their, their bullshit. Like I could go on for this, this for hours. We'll
0: we have to have a whole nother follow-up podcast just on that. that oh,
1: it's, it's sad because I mean, they're indoctrinating these kids now. Like I just saw a video yesterday of a mom on a bike and a kid on a scooter and he grabs an American flag out of the ground and throws it on the ground. Okay, first off, what the fuck? If you don't like our country then that much, get the fuck out.
0: Yeah, I just read a quote, and um, I don't have it on me, but I just read a quote and, and a, very, a person that I admire very dearly, Tom Nicola, um, he had just shared a, a quote on his page that said, Oh, how did it go? It basically said something like, um, we, we are already free. We don't have to earn our freedom. We are, oh man, I'll have to find that quote and I will tag it in the show notes because it was really impactful. But the gist of it was that we are now in a, in a state of such fear. We have been conditioned to be in this state of fear We have forgotten that we are free beings and we think that we have to earn our freedom through complying with these recommendations that aren't aligned with what we intuitively know is in our best interest. So being able to access that intuitive voice and really trust that voice and not get caught up in the fear mongering that, um, you know, media and in what's happening in social media. I mean, the the divide among the masses is so culture and the truth is, is that we all have to come together. We're all connected. We're all one. You know we have this super consciousness which is the collective consciousness and this is playing a role in what's happening in our present time and what's coming for us and if we can start doing the healing work individually we are literally we have the capability of raising the consciousness of the collective to a place where we can start living our heaven on earth now, like we were meant to be.
1: If we were to able just even for a month to go back to what they were doing and to be opened up to what we spiritually then being first off grounded to the earth. Okay. The, the, the frequencies that our body gets from the earth alone, like, and I learned this through DMT alone, just because of where, It would take me, I like started to realize, I'm like, okay, why in every time I do this, is there something with plants every time, every time Yeah. in the shapes and everything's perfect and all this stuff, but there's always something with, whether it was a tree, a flower a plant. And it was just explaining to me that mother nature is everything. It is the universe. Okay. We are literally able to walk outside barefoot, stand on the ground for one hour And the amount of energy your body will absorb from that alone is insane.
0: Well, not only do we absorb energy, but we also transmit it back into the earth. And we're
1: literally transmitters.
0: Yeah. And so if we can get into the practice of understanding the importance of those grounding routines and grounding routines can be something as simple as taking the cold shower, it can be making sure that you are providing yourself with nourishing meals it can be getting adequate sleep it's breathing all of these things are grounding activities that we can engage in but one of the most powerful is to get outside barefooted stand in the earth and allow the earth to start pulling all of that negative energy out of the body When we are in that state of fight or flight, our body is producing these neurochemicals and hormones that create a metabolic process that contributes to metabolic acids and these metabolic acids build up in our body and they get lodged in the mitochondria of the cell where they start creating energetic disruption. So if we don't address the emotion part, we're never going to have the ability to completely heal ourselves, set ourselves free, raise our consciousness, access that intuition, access those gifts of all-knowing. We are incredibly powerful beings, and we've been conditioned to believe that we're victims and that we are That we're not power that we aren't you know we are we are so freaking powerful it's it's just absolutely incredible and we have to really let go of the victim stories we have to let go of shame and fear we have to let go of all of the limiting beliefs that we were conditioned with and we have to embrace self-love gratitude and purpose when we can embrace these three things Sky is the limit. This is where we are creating the most magical experiences that are having an impact on others. It's Especially also-
1: discipline too, because if, yeah. if, you can, if you can get to a point where you are able to stay consistent mm-hmm. and build this discipline, it's amazing how much that helps because you start to hold yourself accountable when you don't even realize it.
0: Right. And, and that's where most of us, when we start reverting back to our old coping skills, we're self-betraying.
1: Yes, for sure. 100%. And when
0: we self-betray, we play the victim. And so by incorporated, slowly building these habits into your routine, they're setting the foundation for you to be able to experience and overcome anything.
1: And then like we were saying earlier, so like, I know you were talking about like some of the stuff that they do. Well, what they put in our food alone, yeah. the processed food, yes. I'm not talking about like, I mean, even I'm sure even chicken breasts and stuff, they're oh, yeah. hormones and stuff. And yeah. that alone, what it's doing to our bodies, like in our minds is a huge role in why our third eye is calcified. Uh. fluoride and our water and our toothpaste and all the stuff that they do to keep us from being more conscious, like Mm -hmm. the meditations that we do. Yeah. Mind blowing. -blowing. Because you are learning, okay, why can't I sink my brain like this at any point in time? Why is it only when there's certain frequencies going into the ear? Well, it's because your third eye is calcified completely.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So typically we should be able to control our brain, either hemi-syncing or not, or um, breathing treatment alone, like doing the breathing, like it's kind of a form of hemi-syncing because you are able to.
0: I want to, I want to make this point really quick because this is really important. When you're referring to the third eye, what we're talking about is the pineal gland in our brain. And the pineal gland is one of the main endocrine system components. It literally is going to dictate to the rest of the nervous system how to, you know, release hormones, build hormones, make hormones, all of these things that are going to then have an impact on our behavior, our perceptions, our beliefs, all of our health. And most importantly, our physical health, our physical health. Oh man, you and I, we could chat for days, but Mm -hmm. quick, I want to just touch on this before I let you go. So here you are, this, you know, single guy living on his own and you are doing phenomenal. Nutrition has been a component of your success. So when you came out to California, I knew in order to get his brain working right, We've got to get the nutrients into his body. So I was focusing on the nutrition while in combination with the emotional experience. What what I was able to help you facilitate in that like month period was so beautiful. I, I, I felt so, so much love in my heart to be able to share all of this with you. And my hope was that it would help you get to where you're at today and to see where you're at now. That's that, that was everything I could have hoped for, prayed for, believed in. And I'm so proud of you. I am so immensely proud of you for being able to do this work and to be who you are today. And now seeing you, also be able to take what you've been through, what you've experienced, what you've learned, and now helping to apply it to help others. That's the purpose, right? Uh, that's, that's been purpose.
1: That's been the biggest, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not gratification, but like, well, um, I, gratification. Lost, I lost my firefighter career. So not being able to help people anymore really hurt me like bad because I needed that feeling of doing something for other people. Like it's their worst day of their life. I was able to change that. And whether someone passed away or I actually saved somebody, but I was still able to be a person that the family needed at that point in time. And it's not just bedside manner. It's not just how you present yourself, but really being a genuine person and actually caring about their situation. Okay. People know when you give a shit and people know when you don't give a shit. Yeah.
0: It's a, it's a vibrational feeling. It's a frequency that you exactly, feel.
1: transmitter. You're putting that out. Mm-hmm. And so I genuinely care about people and I genuinely wanted to help them. So when I lost that, did I was lost and yeah, doing the jumps and stuff was great because I was able to like, inspire children and other people to chase their dreams, which is great. But now being able to do that on top of help people take control of their life mentally, physically has been so rewarding. I don't even charge people. I just want to do it to help them. I don't ask for a dime. I just do it to help them physically, mentally, knowing that I'm helping somebody change their life and take them from point A to point B where they need to be is is is, it's more rewarding than getting a paycheck I don't even care about the money
0: well I might have to bring you on as a coach you know I have a (laughs) population of listeners who could really use some support some support and I uh I think that you have really done an immense job and and really have a lot to offer the world help to you know have a lot to offer others so um let's have a chat about that okay
1: I'd love to it's because I mean Knowing like, okay, where I started, if I can get to where I'm at, anybody in the world can get to where I'm at because where I started, like a 1911 in my mouth, literally I was done. I was giving up.
0: I will never forget that call that night and feeling so helpless because I was almost 2000 miles away and there you were, you know, intoxicated under the influence Uh, in a, putting yourself into some really scary situations. I, I remember just feeling so fucking helpless and wishing more than anything in the world, I could teleport in that moment to be there with you, to give you the hug, to, to remind you how worthy and deserving you are and that the world needs you. You have a purpose and to see you now where you're at, just brings my, it fills my heart with so much gratitude because this is my why. This is my why. I love you so much, Cole. You are the baby, you know, you were my little baby. You were just everything to me. And I just want to see you see your full potential and live it because you are so worthy and deserving. And I am really, really grateful for you. Um, Clearly, this is an emotional moment for both of us. Um, I have never stopped believing in this guy. I've believed in you since day one when I gave you that money to, you know, co-sign the loan to finance your first motorcycle. I fucking believed in you. I will always believe in you. And it's so beautiful to see you believing in yourself and and understanding your worth and understanding that you gotta do this work in order to get where you want to go. And I'm so, so proud of you to know that you are such a valuable gift to others to help them get where you're now at. We've been there. We know. I can
1: say is like thank you, because I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for you and. To anybody listening, like when I say this, I mean it, but it like you have to take it one day at a time because if you look up the mountain, you're just gonna get discouraged because the top of the mountain is really fucking far away. And you have to focus on your first step and then your next step, one foot in front of the other, one day at a time, one meal at a time, and mentally. To get to where you want to be, it's not fucking easy, but just know that it's obtainable. And God puts certain situations into our life to build us into who we're supposed to be, no matter how shitty of the situation it is, no matter what you're looking at, everything's able to be overcome and it's only temporary because I almost made a permanent decision for something that was only temporary because I thought and I created this vision of this person in my head that wasn't who they were, nor who I wanted in my life. And sad, sad to say, like, it is hard, but I want nothing for the but the best for that person and her son. Like, I, I want her to have a happy life. Like, I really do. Like, I want the best for her. Mm -hmm. I have no resentment towards her. I have no hard feelings towards her. Like I want to see her be successful. I want to see her be happy. Like, and whatever it is that creates that, like I literally pray for her every day to be happy and to find a way to not be who she was anymore because it's just going to continue for her. And it's just going to keep being hard for her. If she doesn't find a way to change those habits, because I was that person before too. I was a narcissistic piece of shit for a long time. I really was. I was a womanizer and I was not I was not a good role model for my son. I was not a good role model for anybody, but I was willing to run people over to accomplish my goals without even thinking twice about their well-being or what I did to them. I didn't give a shit. And it wasn't healthy for me and it didn't get me anywhere. It literally just set me backwards, set me backwards, set me backwards. And now I'm at this point in my life where I can take a shitty situation and turn it into gold. And it's called alchemy. Mm -hmm. And people need to realize that just because you have something bad going on in your life, it can be changed. And it starts up here.
0: Absolutely.
1: And taking action, like, if it wasn't for retrain your brain and 75 hard, like these two things alone being brought into my life have literally taught me so many tools that I didn't realize because I didn't know shit about EFT tapping. I didn't know shit about Wim Hof breathing. I didn't know shit about gratitude. And honestly, I didn't give a shit about it all until I realized and I dedicated the discipline to literally do it every day. And now I'm 50 something days into doing the cold showers and the breathing treatments. Like this is something I'm going to do for the rest of my life because I realize what the benefits are. Isn't just helping me. It's helping everyone around me. Absolutely. Just because I'm doing it doesn't mean they're going to go do it today or tomorrow, but I promise you, they're going to see the difference and they're going to start to ask questions. What are you doing? Yeah. What it, and And you don't have to force it onto people. You just literally set the example and then they will come ask questions.
0: And I just want to mention in that process, you also have the ability to reverse aging.
1: I feel like I look- (laughs) Yeah, you look like you
0: are 10 years younger than what you did when you showed up to California. I was like, whoa, bro is in bad shape, man. (laughs) we we gotta get this shit fixed. And um, no, I'm get it. Yeah. no, I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Well, Cole, thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey with the audience and tell me where can they find you? How can they connect with you?
1: Um, Instagram at Cole Freeman, Twitter at Cole Freeman, Facebook at Cole Freeman. Um
0: if they're interested in me, seeing any of your shoot uh, me
1: an email. Say it again.
0: Well, I was just gonna What'd say if they're interested in seeing any of your daredevil work, how can they connect with that?
1: Uh, YouTube, Cole Freeman. Um, and also if you guys want to reach out and just have somebody to talk to, whatever, man, Cole, ill at gmail.com. You can email me. I'm not going to give you my number um, yet. <laughs> You'll have to like at least email me a couple of times. Cause I have been having some weird phone calls come in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, Thank you so much. No, thank you. I I love you. I'm so proud of you. And I look so forward to seeing you move forward into your future and how this is also going to change the trajectory of your son's life as well.
1: Oh, it's been huge because now I make him read three books a day. Like, it's been awesome. So thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I'd love to do it again because I feel like there's a lot more to say.
0: Absolutely. All the love. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.